0: Welcome to Tribe's Podcast. Hey, we just want to say thank you for making this message a part of your week. Our prayer is that these messages will inspire you to make the name of Jesus famous in your life and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we'd love for you to visit our Tribe fam in person. To learn more about us, you can find us online or at Facebook by searching TribeJH.com. How's everybody doing I hope that you are well. I hope that you're having a great weekend. And as we get into the word this morning, we're going to do uh, we're, we're going to do something a little bit, I wouldn't say different, but we're switching up the rhythm because we've just come out of ten weeks talking about the tribulation and triumph. Remember that series? Preparing for the earth's darkest days and anticipating the glorious return of the king and now we're shifting gears as I mentioned last week We're not necessarily uh, We are done with this series, but we're not necessarily done with this season and so as we we shift gears uh, the way that I kind of feel about it is uh, you know when you're backcountry skiing and you transition from skinning to putting your skis on your backpack and you get into the boot pack, like you, you switch it up, you're still continuing on with the mission, but you switch from skiing to boot packing. Or when you get to the top of the boot pack, you put your skis on, you're not done with the mission yet, but you're kind of switching it up and that's how I feel about today. We're, we're not done with this season, we're not done with the mission, but we are going to switch it up a little bit. And uh, what I'm gonna talk about today, I'm personally excited about and. Where I'm coming from today is to give us a little bit of prep to position our hearts to be ready for Easter. Easter is coming up. I don't know if it seems like Easter is right around the corner for you or if it still seems like a long way off, but Easter is coming up. And so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about getting our hearts ready, anticipating Easter, all right? So as we get into today's material, I want to give you a little bit of a background. If you recall, all the way back in September of 2020, God whispered to my heart and he said, hey, son, I want you and tribe to acknowledge the feasts. And I was like, okay, the feasts. Okay, yes, got it. uh, What do we do? How do How do we do that? And then the Lord began to speak to me about the feasts that are mentioned in the Bible. There's lots of different feasts that are in the Bible. And uh, Jewish tradition honors even more feasts. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a whole year and we're going to acknowledge the seven different major feasts that God points out and he commands Israel to, to honor in the Bible. And as we started in this journey back in September, I feel like there was three things that the Lord whispered to my heart, three reasons why he wants us at tribe to acknowledge the feast. So if you remember all the way back in September, uh, you might not even remember what you had for breakfast this morning, but let me just refresh our memory of the reasons that God gave me of why he wants us at tribe to acknowledge the feast. This is kind of introduction into what we're gonna talk about today. Alright? So here's the here's the first reason that God gave me why He wants us at tribe to acknowledge the different feasts. Reason number one is to remember. For those of you watching the live stream, everybody say remember. Remember. So the reason why we acknowledge and why God established these feasts and why he wants us to acknowledge them is, number one, to remember. Psalm 77 says this, But when I recall all that you have done, O Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. When we acknowledge the feasts, part of what we're doing is we're looking back at all that God has done. And this sounds a lot like, Pecky I feel like that's kind of like a big ongoing theme, like maybe a forever theme for us at Tribe is this idea of remembering. If there's, if the amount of time that you spend at Tribe, if you take away nothing else other than remembering this, this principle, this weapon, this muscle of remembering God's goodness and his faithfulness and his miracles and his trustworthiness, feel like you would have gotten your value out of your time and your season here at tribe remember so that's the first one the second one is to recalibrate everybody say recalibrate. recalibrate to recalibrate this is another reason why god wants us to to honor and to recognize the feast that he has so that we can recalibrate our hearts let's go back to psalms again really quick psalms 119 Verses 37 through 40 in the Passion Translation says this. From the Passion Translation, Help me to turn my eyes away from illusions so that I pursue only that which is true. Drench my soul with life as I walk in your paths. How cool is that? I love the poetic language of the Passion Translation. Drench my soul with life as I walk through your paths. Reassure me of your promises. For I am your beloved, your servant who bows before you. Defend me from the criticism I face for keeping your beautiful words. Another reason that we acknowledge the feast is not just so that we can remember, but also to help us recalibrate our hearts. Our hearts are, are tend to, what is the, oh, I'm going to mess this up, I should have just written it down, but what are those uh, lyrics to that old hymn, like, bind me like a feather, my wandering heart, or, it's... there we, <laughs> here I am putting Lissa on the spot, she's probably not even mic'd up, I don't even know if you can hear, but you know that old, you know that old beautiful hymn. But our hearts constantly need to be recalibrated. Our hearts, where we focus our desires, our attentions, the things that we give our strength to, and the things that we draw strength from, that constantly needs to be recalibrated. And the feasts, when we acknowledge them, help us to do that. So remember, recalibrate. And then here's the third word. Rehearse. Everybody say rehearse. Rehearse. Listen to Leviticus chapter 23 verse 2. It says this. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. These are, the Lord, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. Depending on which translation of the Bible you have, that word holy assembly means convocation. Convocation, that sounds like a complicated word that we don't use too often. Well, instead of convocation, you can replace that word with assembly. Assembly. A holy assembly. Set apart, sanctified, special assembly. When you look at that word in the Hebrew, assembly or convocation means to gather, to call together, but it also means rehearsal. There's our third R to remember, to recalibrate, and for the purpose of rehearsal. So there, the reason why God has us acknowledge these feasts is because some of these feasts have yet to be fulfilled in God's global prophetic timeline. Some feasts have been fulfilled, and we're, we're going to look at these in a moment. Some of these feasts have yet to have an actual literal fulfillment in the days of planet earth but that's the reason why he calls us to acknowledge these feasts so that we can rehearse we can practice so that when the feast the fulfillment of the feast is playing out on the world stage like Peter in Acts chapter 2 will be able to say "Oh, oh, oh, oh this that we're seeing here play out on the world stage is that which I've been rehearsing by acknowledging the feasts, does that make sense? Uh, I've done lots and lots of weddings in my day, and I really uh, enjoy the wedding, but I just as much, I enjoyed the rehearsal. That gives me a chance to get to know uh, the whole bridal party, the groomsmen, the bridesmaids, the interactions, the in-laws, all of those fun dynamics. And I can't imagine uh, what a junk show a wedding would be if you didn't have a rehearsal the day before. We work out all the kinks, all the bugs. We practice through it so that the bride and groom and the wedding party know what to expect on the day of the wedding so that when the wedding comes, it looks they, they look pro. They look like they've done it again and again. They know what's coming. That's the reason why God says these is, this is to be a holy convocation, assembly, or rehearsal. So with that in mind, We are going to get into today's notes and we have another feast of the Lord that's coming up that I want to talk about uh, about a week early. If you look at your calendar, you'll see that next week we celebrate Easter. Easter also happens to fall on the Jewish feast of Passover. So we're going to talk about Easter next week. But this week, we're going to talk about Passover. Does that make sense? So to help give you a frame of reference, I want to put a, a slide on the screen that is a chart. If you, if you, if you want this chart, uh, I have no idea where to give uh, copyright credit for this chart. It's not my chart. I pulled it off of somewhere uh, a, a long time ago, but you can take a picture of it. Uh, Or do a little Google search. I'm going to look over my left shoulder so that I can reference this chart as well. We'll talk about this chart for just a moment and then get into the meat of Passover. You can see that there are several spring feasts and you can see that there are several fall feasts. We are in the feast of Passover. And Passover, oh man. Let's see, how do I say this? Uh, With all of the Jewish feasts man, there's a lot of complexity, there's a lot of beauty, there's a lot of richness to within each of the feasts. There are smaller feasts, there are certain days within larger feasts. There's so much to it, and I don't claim to be an expert on the Jewish feasts. Some of you watching the live stream, you might have done more of a deep dive than I have, and I appreciate uh, the, the depth that you would bring into with your knowledge and understanding of each of these feasts. But I want to try to keep it simple and introductory without getting into the, the, the uh, minutiae and the finite details of all that's happening in the different feasts. But here's what you need to know for the Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover is a, like, think of it as a bundle. It's a bundle with several different Feasts honored within the main feast, right? Are you with me? All right. So within Passover, it's a bundle of the actual Passover meal and the feast of unleavened bread and the feast of first fruits, which you can, which you can see here on this chart. Even though on this chart, they look separate and different, they are, but they're also the same. Does that make sense? I don't know why I think this way, uh, but it's easy for me to think this way, but it's a little bit more difficult for me to say it unless we're kind of on the same frequency. But I often think in terms of Venn diagrams. Do you know what a Venn diagram is? A Venn diagram is a way of visually organizing information through overlapping and intersecting circles, to illustrate their relationship to one another. Ooh, I really like that definition, and I just came up with it, y'all. So think about a Venn diagram with a big circle, and that circle is Passover. Within that circle, there are several smaller circles that are contained within the larger circle, so that's their relationship with one another. Within the big circle of Passover is a smaller circle of Passover, and that's the Seder meal. And Seder just means the order, like order of service. Um, and then there is first fruits, and then there's unleavened bread, but they all fit within the circle of Passover. Does does that help you to to make sense and sort out which is which? Okay, that's what we're going to be talking about today, is Passover in preparation for Easter next week. So let's dive into God's word together and read about God's commandment for this feast so if you have your Bible with you I'd like you to turn to the book of Exodus Exodus chapter 12 and we are going to read two different sections from Exodus chapter 12 here's the first place that I would like you to read Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 8 then read 11 through 13 alright so if you want to take a moment with your family you can look those verses up, you can click on Exodus chapter 12, and right here at the TMC, we're going to read that. So whoever has that, would you? you don't have to read all of it, but if you want to pass it off, you can. So let's go for Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 through 8.
1: Let me try again. The first Passover. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this mouth will be the f- this <laughs> I can't back up here. <laughs> Let's try it again. The first Passover. Here we go. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, I need my reading glasses. The Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be A one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without
0: yeast. How about 11 through 13?
1: Okay. In this manner,
0: you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Man, so powerful, so powerful. Here's what I want us to do. Take a few moments to look at how Jesus beautifully and perfectly fulfilled each of these different feasts contained within the feast that's known as Passover, all right? So in your notes, you can, you can write down how Jesus fulfilled Passover, jesus fulfilled passover by obviously he was the atoning sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice to take away not just cover but to take away the sin of the whole world and here's what's really cool about what jesus fulfilled compared with jewish tradition of the contemporary time in which jesus lived so Here was the tradition in which Jesus lived. The high priest would go out the sheep gate. He would select a lamb. He would bring the lamb into the temple. And the temple, the lamb was brought into the temple courts and it was attached or fastened, uh, tied to one of the pillars in the temple. And for five days, the people and the priests... The lead priest and the, the priest serving on duty would inspect the lamb. You had to be really careful. You, did, you didn't you did want to just say, oh, that looks good. That, that's good enough. This is the lamb that was symbolically going to atone for, cover the sins of the whole nation of Israel. It had to be a pure and spotless lamb. So once the lamb was selected... He was brought into the temple, put on public display for scrutinization and examination, and for five days he was tested so that on the fifth day the priest could say, Worthy is the lamb. And then the lamb would be slaughtered, the blood would be sprinkled, and the sins of the nation of Israel would be atoned for, covered for that year. In the same way, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, Remember on the tri- in the triumphal entry where the palm fronds were laid on the ground and people were shouting Hosanna, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the Son of David coming into Israel. It was during that time for five days that Jesus taught at the temple and was on display for the entire world to see, and then the highest land the highest authority in the land, the highest authorities in the land, what did they say at the end of that five days of examination period? King Herod said, he's, a, he, he's not guilty of anything, maybe more than being a fool, like I, I find nothing wrong with him. And then it was Pontius Pilate that said, look at the man. In Latin, ecce homo. There's nothing wrong with him. And then remember, Pilate washed his hands. So how cool is it that even in the traditions that Jesus was on public display for five days and, and they could bring, remember, in the, in the sham of a trial, they said they could bring no real substantive accusations against Jesus. Jesus went to the cross and his blood paid for the freedom of all mankind For the consequences and the penalty of sin. And all we have to do is receive his gift of forgiveness. And his righteousness is imputed. Ooh, there's a fancy word. His righteousness is given unto us. We broke the law. He pays the price. He dies for our sins. We get to go free. Jesus fulfilled the Passover feast. Here's the second, remember we talked about the second feast, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, according to Jewish tradition, at the Seder dinner, there's a little sleeve, and in that little sleeve, there are three pieces of flat bread. We know it today as matzah bread. You can go to the grocery store and buy it. This is what a piece of that matzah bread looked like. This is bread that does not have any leaven in it, and it's like a, it's kind of like, um, like a little flat, like computer case, all right? But it's a little sleeve and it's a little pouch, and it has three individual slots or sleeves. And during the seder dinner, the piece taken out of the middle pocket is broken in half, perp, and then the second half is hidden in the house for the children to go and find later. Jesus fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread because his body was broken and then his body was hidden in the tomb for how many days? 3 days. And the children run around the house, they look for they look for the that piece of of broken matzah bread, when they bring it back there's a great reward in the same way there is a beautiful and wonderful Reward For those who go to the tomb find it empty only to discover that Jesus has risen from the dead. And, okay, yes, we're, we're right on track. Not only has Jesus fulfilled the feast of Passover, not only has Jesus beautifully fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread, Oh, there's so much more I could say about unleavened bread. Okay, let me just, uh, let me say one, one more thing before we move on. So the reason why this is flat is because there's no yeast in it. There's nothing wrong with the cooking ingredient of yeast. However, yeast in Bible times was often associated with sin. Remember, Jesus talked about the yeast of the Pharisees, and he says a little bit of yeast works through the whole batch of dough. It can make bread more than what it really is it can it can puff up the bread and it was often used as a symbol of of sin and defilement this bread was made with no yeast jesus lived his whole life perfect and sinless that's what enabled him that's what qualified him to pay the price for our sin and that's what leads us to the next feast the feast of first fruits. Jesus fulfilled the feast of first fruits. Because he had no sin, death had no rightful claim to him. The grave could not rightfully, legally keep him. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The penalty and the price for sin was paid but because Jesus was our substitutionary sacrifice, he had no sin, therefore death had no legal right to keep him. Ooh, and that's what leads us to resurrection. Jesus fulfilled the feast of first fruits. If you have your Bible, it's a, it's a little bit of a long passage, but it is, it's so worth reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20. Let, you know what? Let's just let's just read verse 20. That whole passage is is really good. But why don't I let me turn there and I'll just read that really quick. First Corinthians. And I'm gonna read verse 15. And here is Verse 20. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. If you want to read about the scriptural historical reference to the feast of first fruits, You can write this down in your notes. It's not on the screen, but you can write this down in your notes. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9 through 14, talk about the feast of first fruits. But we are in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. Let me me read that one more time to you. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. In the same way, that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. For those of us who have received the blood of the lamb that's been sprinkled over the doorpost of our hearts so that the shadow of death has passed over, we're not subject to death. We have died to our old selves. And Jesus has paid the price for our sin, fulfilling Passover, he was worthy. He was a lamb without spot or blemish. He was without sin. He fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread. And because he rose from the dead as Christians, we believe that we too will experience the resurrection of our bodies. And I, and I love what, First Cor- what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about this concept and idea of resurrection. We'll, we'll talk more about it in just a moment. Let's turn to one other verse in the book of John. John chapter 20. I'll give you... Why don't I read this one from the Passion Translation? Because uh, I'm not sure if you have a Passion Translation, but I love how the Passion Translation says this verse. John chapter 20, verse 17. And let me let me just say something about the Passion really quickly. If you notice, I do quote from the Passion regularly, but... For the, I use the Passion Translation to talk about sharing verses that are commonly known to us from a little bit different perspective. I use the Passion Translation to give us a little bit different angle or viewpoint on a verse or a passage that is usually quite common to us. If you listen closely, I will never introduce a concept or a teaching or establish a matter of doctrine by using the Passion Translation. I love the Passion Translation, and it has a beautiful and wonderful place within the context of helping us to understand Scripture and get to know God better. But but listen closely how I use the Passion Translation, because I think some of you... Um, I don't know if you've been outright critical of me or not. You haven't said anything, and even if you did, uh, it's no big deal to me. I get lots of other criticism about plenty of things. But when it comes to the Passion Translation, listen closely how I use the Passion Translation. I use it to give us a little bit different perspective and angle on a verse or a passage that we commonly know. I never use the Passion Translation to establish teaching, to establish matters of doctrine, or in a definitive direction-setting way. Does that make sense? And I don't know how you use the Passion Translation, but I just want to say this is how I use the Passion Translation here at Tribe. Are we good? We're good. With that in mind, let's look at the Passion Translation, talking about the resurrection in John chapter 20, verse 17. Jesus, after having been raised from the dead, Mary finds her, and Jesus says this. Mary cautioned her. Mary, Mary. Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to God my Father. Which, we've talked about this a little bit at at Tribe before, but why didn't Jesus let Mary hug him? Why didn't Jesus allow Mary to just throw her arms around him? Because Jesus needed to fulfill the Feast of First Fruits. Well, what's the Feast of First Fruits? Remember, go back to Leviticus as we mentioned a bit ago and you will see that what was required by the Lord was you take the very first and the very best from your harvest and you immediately go, you don't bake any bread, you don't put any in your barn, you don't, you don't uh, uh, do anything with it, you harvest it from the ground and you go straight to the temple and it's an offering to the Lord, so that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Instead of allowing Mary to have affection and for for Jesus to display affection towards Mary by receiving that hug and hugging her back, he wanted to so bad. He even tells her, Just "Hang on, hang on, hang on. I first need to ascend to the Father." He goes into the presence of the Father in heaven, and he gives himself as An offering of first fruits fulfilling the feast of first fruits father I am the first of the resurrection I am the first having rose from the dead and there are many 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 coming after me but I want to be the first and so isn't it beautiful how within the 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 festival or the feast of Passover isn't it beautiful how Jesus fulfills the feast of Passover he fulfills the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And He also fulfills the Feast of Firstfruits. Here's the last thing that I just want to touch on and mention. Remember, I said that, that these, the reason why God wants us to acknowledge the feasts, these seven major feasts in the Bible, is to remember, to recalibrate, and also to rehearse. But There's going to be a, a literal physical future Fulfillment. When Jesus died on the cross, he he filled fulfilled Passover. But there's going to be a yet future fulfillment of this. It is the R, in the same way that we there's here's the prophetic fulfillment. In the same way that Jesus rose from the dead, we too will rise from the dead. The resurrection. What an incredible, beautiful hope we have. Why don't we take just a moment. And I want us to read a few of those verses. This is in 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's just read a few verses together. 1 Corinthians chapter 35 through 38. Whenever you get there, if you would read those verses. And then we'll, we'll transition to the next part of service that we're going to do this morning. All right. First Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 35
1: through 38. Uh, Let's see. The resurrection body. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. One more. Then God gives it a new body. God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed.
0: Oh. So, think of our, our body like a seed. Our earth suit. What we've been given to live in this world. And as you're watching this live stream, hopefully you were able to participate with us on Tuesday as joy... At our Bible study this week was talking about uh, the soul, and it's really cool to, to see what joy uh, opened up for us as we dug into the word together about this Hebrew understanding of the soul. But Paul expounds upon it, and he says that our body, he uses words like a tent. and in this particular instance, he talks about it like a seed. My earth suit is like a seed that will go into the ground someday. If I die before Jesus comes back, my body will go into the ground like a seed, and what will come up out of that is my resurrected body. I will get a brand new resurrected body, hopefully with more hair, but I don't even care what it looks like. It's going to look uh, similar in some way because we'll be able to recognize one another. It's not like you're going to get somebody that a a body, a a different type of suit for a different type of environment uh, that's going to look completely different so that when I see on the streets of heaven, I see David Hasselhoff walking down the street and I'm like, what? David, is that you? And Corey's like, no, it's me, Corey Lack. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, wow, David Hasselhoff. That's what you picked. I mean, love the chest hair, bro. Amazing. We... Well, we're gonna fix that in post. No, leave it. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna leave. We're gonna leave the David Hasselhoff joke in. <laughs> of all people. David Hasselhoff, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I just figure it's like kind of similar, <laughs> kind of kind of similar. <laughs> so, as Paul talked about, Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection, but we too, as Christians, will receive resurrected bodies because we're going to be living in eternity in a different environment. When you go to space, you get a space suit When you live here on earth, what we're walking around in, we have earth suits. We need a resurrected suit because we're going to be living resurrected life for all of eternity. How cool is that? Oh, there's so much more to unpack, but I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to stop short there so we can talk about resurrection more uh, sometime in the future but as a part of Passover if you remember Lisa sent out the group text uh, earlier this week to all of our tribe fam and she said that this week we're going to celebrate communion together as a part of leading up to our Easter service and so if you, ta- if you take just a moment I want you to gather the elements of communion for your family and we're going to celebrate communion together if you need to press pause on the live stream so that you can round up the elements of communion the bread and the cup use whatever you've got take, take a moment but let's go into communion together as a way of remembering Passover okay okay so I'm going to grab, I'm going to grab the elements that I have right here in front of me. And we'll take just a moment and as a tribe fam, whether you are right here at the TMC or maybe you are traveling or maybe you have a discipleship campus that meets in your home, maybe you are watching from Germany, maybe you're watching from Texas from the various places or from Florida, various places that our tribe fam gather together to be a part of the community called tribe you have the elements of communion in front of you why don't we take just a moment to participate as a family in this sacrament together and as recorded in scripture Jesus at the last supper the last Passover meal the Bible records that he took bread he blessed it he broke it he broke it and he gave thanks for it and he gave it to his disciples and he said take and eat this is my body which has been broken for you Then he gave the bread to his disciples the Bible records that after the meal, Jesus took another cup and he says, this cup represents a new covenant that I'm making with you right now. Now this idea, this phrase, we talk a lot about uh, the marriage proposal and it's, there's beautiful, uh, there's beautiful symbolism there. But when Jesus says, this is a new covenant that I'm making with you, all of those good Jewish Torah studying men at that table Knew that there was a prophecy in the Old Testament that with God speaking, he said, behold, someday I will make with you a new covenant. When Jesus said, I am making, that was the connection from the prophecy that was spoken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Now here he is at the last supper, the last Passover meal that he would celebrate with his disciples and he says, I am making a new covenant with you. And the confirmation of this new covenant covenant is my life's blood, which will be poured out to seal or to ratify the covenant. Today, what do we do to, to seal or to ratify things? We, we got to take it to the bank. We got to take it to our, our friend, Jen Wolf. Uh, down at the dealership there so that she can s- put a stamp to notarize it. That makes it really official. If you need something official, you got to get it notarized. In a similar but really weak and pathetic way, Jesus notarized, instead of with a notary stamping a seal on paper, he gave his precious blood as a notary to seal or to confirm or to ratify a new covenant. And we partake of this new covenant when we partake of the cup, the bread and the cup, his body broken and his blood poured out for our sins. What a beautiful picture of the Passover. So Father, I want to pray over the elements to consecrate them. And whether they're right here in front of me at the TMC or whether they are uh, being partaken of uh, or, or around the country and around the world as a part of our tribe fam I ask that these elements would be consecrated that right here in this moment you would perform a miracle and you would transform these simple common elements into a sacrament which is simply a means of grace where we can touch you and encounter you by faith God, I ask that you would meet us in the mystery of this meal. You would help us to remember, you would help us to recalibrate, and you would help us to rehearse the fact that you came to earth, your blood was poured out to atone for, to cover, to take away, not just cover, but to take away our sin, nailing it to the cross. And you were qualified to do that because you were sinless. There was no yeast of sin in your life. And how you fulfilled the feast of first fruits by raising from the dead. And that we too will rise from the dead to receive glorified resurrected bodies to live with you. Which is why you said, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my kingdom. Lord, we long for those days. We just ask that you would bless these communion elements and you would bless this time that we enter in to communion together. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to partake of communion right here and I invite you and your family to partake of communion where you're watching. If you need to press pause to give yourselves a little bit more time, go ahead and do that. When you're done with communion, press unpause and we will continue on with the service but i'm going to serve myself communion this morning thank you for your blood shed for me thank you for your body broken for me jesus would you say those words? Let thy goodness like a fetter, Let thy like a fetter which is like a, a chain. Bind my, heart. Bind my wandering heart to thee. That's that recalibration. Let thy goodness. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Prone to leave the God I love. Like, oh, look, something shiny and sparkly. Boop, boop, boop. Here's my heart, Lord, take and
1: seal
0: it. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Seal it for thy courts above. Ah. Oh. One more time, would you sing that and then we'll continue on. so good man what a sweet spirit in the atmosphere here the Bible says that the Lord resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble when we humble our hearts when we release the affection of our hearts that's just hungry for him he's irresistibly drawn we love you Jesus we cannot wait As we rehearse by receiving communion, we are rehearsing that someday we will partake and celebrate in the wedding supper of the Lamb. I know that we have to go on to offering and announcements, but just a moment. Let Let this moment linger for a little bit longer. Holy Spirit, I pray somehow, some way that you would transmit what's happening in this room through the mic, through the camera, and into the home of people that are gathered. Oh, or just do something amazing because this is amazing right here.